Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As the co-executive producer of The Office, Lee Eisenberg knows some crazy things about cubicle spaces. And we talk about the wild ride of Apple TV Plus's We Crash, which follows WeWork architects Adam and Rebecca Newman. We're here today with Lee Eisenberg and the series co-creator Drew Crivello on Crew Call. Lee, in tackling this project, you were used to hijinks on The Office. How did this come to you? You know, was your agent or your manager, were they like, hey, listen, have I got hijinks in an office for you <laughs> called We Crashed? Right, right, right. How did this all come together and then working with Drew? So I had a relationship with Aaron Hart, who, who's my former agent, actually, from years ago, who now works at Wondery. And uh, they sent over the podcast to me before the podcast had even aired. And I kind of devoured it. I knew a little bit about the story ahead of time, but I thought the podcast did such a great job of just kind of giving this, this overview of it. And Drew's one of my best friends. We've been trying to find something to do for forever. And I sent it to him. And I just said, is this something? I don't know. There's something here. And we both kind of keyed into the same parts of the story. And it really was, as much as we're fascinated by business stories, the kind of the relationship between Adam and Rebecca felt like a really fresh way of exploring a business story. What things jumped out at you? Was it this guy trying to be, in his mind, he's not a false prophet, but this guy, you know, his whole prophetic type of demeanor and her, you know, like <laughs> what they did with the S1 with illustrations and everything. Share what jumped out. I guess I would say, um, as these things often do, like there is an evolution to it, right? And I think... It started off for Lee and I, we always laugh how one of the first scenes that we talked about, and I think even wrote, was set uh, during tulip fever, right? In Holland, door, you know, in, in the 1500s, whatever it was. And we had a scene, you know, in the gold rush where, you know, so we had, we had talked about this character, right? This kind of charismatic, you know, larger than life salesman and how they had been part of these bubbles through the ages, right? So that started off as the focus. And we were fascinated by Adam and someone who's so charismatic, they could generate billions of dollars of investment. But in sort of diving into that, the more we learned about the real origin of the company and how tied up that was with Rebecca, his wife, and how fascinating she was, like Rebecca pulled the story into a love story. Like we didn't really even intend it. We didn't set out to do that at first, but as we learned about her, it kind of pulled the narrative in that direction. The thing I would also add is, I mean, you know, Adam is so kind of front facing and, and we, you know, we obviously explore this in the show. She's always kind of 
a little bit in the, you know, on the sidelines watching at the time 100 watching is, you know, he's speaking at the Goldman Sachs um, kind of symposium and, you know, there would be no, we work without Adam, but there'd also be no, we work without Rebecca. And until Adam met Rebecca, he was selling, you know, uh, crawlers, you know, knee pads with knee pads for babies and uh, collapsible women's heels. He, he lacked direction and Rebecca in a way kind of get, gave him this language and a little bit of a, uh, an ethos for what ultimately became the ethos for the company. Now that's something I wanted to touch upon. Usually when there is an implosion, especially involving a married couple, they don't stay married. Now, granted, he walked away, legend is, with a billion dollars. He says it's less than that. What keeps the, oh my God, up more than that. <laughs> what, what keeps these two together? I mean, that's what I find amazing. This thing implodes. Because let's face it, yes, even though they walked away with money, their dreams were shattered. What do you think keeps these two together? You know, and this is something we try to explore in the show. They fueled each other, right? Like they were each other's oxygen. And so I think they, on a really like subatomic level, they both knew that they needed each other. And that the two of them together, like that alchemy created WeWork. Um, and you're right, like it seems so rare for people to weather this kind of crash. Lee and I talk about all this all the time, and this is a kind of a, not a very popular viewpoint. Everybody wants to kind of call for their heads, you know, after this sort of thing. Right. It's weirdly romantic. It really is. And I think, I think you can recognize all the things they did wrong. You can absolutely see their culpability and yet still marvel at the fact that they're, they appear to be really a very strong couple. I think they've actually had a six kids since, uh, since we started writing the show. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me a little bit of Movie Pass, And I actually knew those guys. They let us in. They let the press in. You, you know, like, for example, with Elizabeth Holmes, I understand, you know, with the ABC um, journalists that covered her, that dropout is yeah. based on, she never got access to Elizabeth, yeah. but the MoviePass people were crazy enough to give us their cell phone numbers. It was just very kind of renegade and, and, and crazy and opulent. But um, what is it about these stories of late, about these Icaruses, like Elizabeth Holmes, like Adam and Rebecca, these Greek tragic heroes reaching for something greater. It seems like 2022 is the year for these series. Why do you think there's a trend? And then I'll go on from there. You know, it's funny. We're, we're, we're good friends with Liz Merriweather who did the dropout. And I remember Liz working on the show long before we had even, we'd even started talking about WeWork. And so I think the timing of the releases is one thing, but it's not, from a writing standpoint, I mean, Drew and I first started working on the show, you know, more than two years ago. And so it's not like, it's not, it's not like all of these stories just kind of cropped up because everyone, you know, fiended for them, you know, at the exact same moment. I mean, the dropout, the dropout, you know, had been in development long before ours. Um, yeah, I think people are fascinated. I, you know, I think people love watching the rise. I think people uh, enjoy the fall. And in some ways it's like, 
there's an aspirational element. I think that you, you know, why I could have, everyone thinks it's, it's shark tank to me. It's everyone thinks that they have a, a million dollar or a billion dollar idea underneath. And then you're watching these people, these flawed, fascinating people as storytellers. I mean, I would have loved to have done the Elizabeth Holmes story, like exploring Adam and Rebecca and their psychologies. They're fascinating characters. And, and I, and, you know, as Drew said earlier with, you know, exploring tulip mania and, and, you know, gold prospectors and, you know, the financial crisis and the dot-com bubble, the stories of, of people that kind of dream big and, and are Icarus figures, that isn't new. I think kind of putting it into this, you know, this tech founder, these disruptors, uh, you know, the unicorn stampede of the last few years. I think that's the kind of, that's the, that's the way that it's kind of being explored right now. Uh, but I think, I think the story itself is, is, is familiar. The one thing I'll add to that is that I guess I look at this, like this whole, like this kind of crop of, of shows, it's both completely random that they're all coming out at the same time and completely not random, right? Like what Lee just said, he explained why it's random. Like Hollywood just works on different time frames, and you never know when something's going to go or when you're going to get your lead actor or actress or when the, you know, the show's going to come together, you'll get your green light. So the fact that all these shows came out within a, within a month or two of each other is utterly random. On the other hand, Lee mentioned the unicorn stampede. Like we are in a moment culturally and in terms of our kind of economy where there was this bubble of sorts, basically, right? All these unicorn companies that were all supposed to go public in the fall of 2019, Uber, Peloton, Lyft, WeWork, you can go on and on, Slack. And some went public, some stumbled, some didn't, some fell flat in their faces. So I think coming out of that massive tidal wave, that's why we're getting all these stories right now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, the similarity between Adam and Rebecca and Elizabeth is I think in their minds, they don't think they did wrong. Like, well, I, I, this is very evident about Elizabeth. In the New York Times piece back in November, 2021, where, where Adam did his first sit down, it sounded like he was humbled a little, but not completely. I just find that interesting. Again, is it because he walked away with more than a billion dollars? Well, I mean, I, you know what? I, what, I, what I would say to this is, you know, there's a real distinction between Adam and Adam and Rebecca and Elizabeth Holmes. I mean, Elizabeth Holmes is a criminal. She was knowingly defrauding people. She was putting people's lives at stake. People died on her watch, and she wasn't letting anyone into the labs, not because they had proprietary software, but because it was all bullshit. There was nothing there. It was, you know, it was they were taking other people's machines and and using that as their own, and everything that they claimed to be achieving, they weren't. I think that the Adam and Rebecca story and the WeWork story is uh, it exists in the gray, you know, as you know, as we've been kind of doing more interviews and talking to friends and family, as people start watching the show, so many people are like, oh, well, they're con people. Did they get what they deserve? You know, why didn't they go to jail? And it's like they didn't commit crimes. And we think that in a way that that makes it more uh, complicated and ripe for discussion. And also, like, you know, it's there's that it's that old saying, everyone's the hero of their own story right? Like no matter who the person is, even people that history, you know, calls villains or, you know, even the bad guys, everyone thinks they're, they've got their reasons and everyone feels aggrieved or they're in the right or so I, I think that that's just 
it's human nature. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you guys did touch upon this in one of the episodes. I, and I find this very interesting. Rebecca's dad, Robert Paltrow, and the trouble that he got into. Coincidence? The sins of the father, the sins of the daughter? I mean, from, from, from the research that we did and, and speaking to people and kind of really trying to dig in as much as we could into the psychology of these characters, I don't personally think it's a coincidence that her father was someone who uh, skirted things ethically and you know had troubles with the law and then she married Adam, who is a real hustler. And I think, you know, is a fast talker and able to maybe, maybe ex- like, as I said, exist in the gray and not give everyone all of the information at once, you know, as, as it suits him. Um, I, think, I think you see a lot of similarities and, and patterns repeating with that, with those dynamics. Going way back, when you, when you first started on this project, take us down the development road. Did you hammer out a pilot and then that was circulated and Apple won it? Could you walk us through? And if there was a bidding process, do you have to go to each network and literally sit down and pitch it? Or can you just let the work stand for itself? So basically, so I, I have an exclusive deal at Apple. So there was no bidding war. There was no, there's no real pitch process. I mean, basically I went to uh, my executive at Apple and said, this, I just heard this podcast and I want to do this as my next series and they, and I want to do it with Drew and they, they agreed. I mean, there, I, I don't remember doing a formal pitch. I mean, Drew and I, Drew and I went through many, many drafts of the, of the pilot script uh, and then wrote a, I think a 30 page Bible kind of laying out where the season would go and here are all the characters that we're going to meet. And you, you forgot our, you forgot our, like we did write a 42 page outline for the pilot. So it was like, right, right, right. <laughs> it was almost more of a scriptment than it was a outline right. for the pilot. That's true. That's true. And, and Apple then, his thoughts on. And so then when Apple finally, and we were going back and forth with our executives there when they finally had Zach and Jamie read it, you know, who run Apple, uh, we, you know, we had, we had kind of really stress tested it. And I think we were really proud of where the pilot had landed. And then that pilot was the, you know, what got sent to Jared Leto and to Anne Hathaway and to uh, Requin Fakara, John and Glenn. Uh, who ultimately directed the first three. So, it was, I mean, it was a very, we, we, yeah, there was no bidding war. There was no, I mean, the work stood for itself, I guess, in the sense that we, you know, we sent it in when, when we had to and they liked it. Jared, immediately, top choice, right? Was that an easy hook or was there a waiting game involved? Um, well, Lee and I just did for you guys deadline. We did a contenders panel where he casually mentioned on the panel, oh yeah, I think I passed on the role initially. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. He did. I'm here to set the record straight. He did not pass. Um, he was, I, 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 I'm saying that in jest. Uh, he, uh, he was our absolutely our first choice. Um, we thought like we needed someone 
who had charisma to burn, right? And someone who kind of was messianic in like a cult leader kind of way. And Jared sort of, uh, you know, fits that bill to he a checks off, He checks off some boxes. Yeah. Uh, you know, to someone who's, he is literally both an actor and a rock star, right? So he was our first choice. And, you know, uh, despite his protestations to the contrary, uh, he was really excited from the get-go um, and really seemed like enthralled by the character of Adam. And, uh, and you know, Lee and I talk about this all the time. Jared and Anne, they read a 60-page pilot, right? The ultimate show was 480 pages of material. So it's a real leap of faith for them to come on board. Um, and they did, but then they became collaborators. So they really, in their own way, kind of co-authored the 420 pages that came after that. And then Anne, what drew her to Rebecca? I mean, she perf she's perfect for it. She's incredible. I mean, we, she was literally, you know, Drew, I talk about that we, you know, when you're writing and you don't know if something's actually going to get made, you, you talk about actors and you kind of fantasize about what could be. And it was like, the only person we talked about for Rebecca was Anne Hathaway. So when we heard that she read the script and liked it, we were thrilled. And so we sat down, we Zoomed with her and, you know, pleasantries and she complimented our writing and I was feeling really good. And then she said, um, but there's one thing. Uh, and we're like, okay. And she said, uh, you haven't cracked Rebecca yet. And it was like, this kind of, you know, Drew and I were racing to just write as fast as we could because, you know, we had a writer's room and we had, you know, a production that we were heading into. And she said, I think the writing of Adam, you've completely cracked that character. I love the world. I love the way you guys write dialogue and the pace of the show is so propulsive. We haven't figured out this character yet. And we, after the shock and the fear that uh, subsided, we, we dove in with her and really dug into what, what makes this person tick. What was she looking for? I think that it was, I think early on, we hadn't quite realized that this is someone who dives into everything. She's a searcher. And so Rebecca is someone who lived in LA and wanted to be an actress. And then she moved to India to kind of find enlightenment and uh, moved to New York to be a yogi. And she was always kind of latching onto things. And this idea of someone who dives into everything they do with such gusto and force and does the same with Adam. You know, I, I think the way that she, I think the way that she falls in love with people and calls people supernovas, I think all of that came from someone who felt abandonment as a child. Their, their parents were traveling a lot. Their parents were divorced. Father, you know, the father had troubles with the law. And I think all kind of creating a psychological profile for the character. Um, and, and also, you know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is not in the show, but she casts a shadow over it. And uh, this idea of wanting to be uh, a successful actress and, and, and having Gwyneth Paltrow be your first cousin, that looms large and, and, and not having that success and always feeling like you're on the side, all, all of those kind of propped out of conversations that we had with Anne. The joke about the egg, that's what I'm laughing about <laughs> <laughs> right now, very yep. early on in the season. By the way, that, that's the beauty of a writer's room. I don't think Lee or I had ever heard of a jade egg before. Uh, I think one of our writers broke it. Brought I know. It I think I think that was Anne. I think that was oh, Anne. Oh, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. That was Anne. That was a hard joke. <laughs> um, and then the the whole gag of it, the whole it <laughs> wasn't just a passing joke. It was yeah. the whole physical of it. Anne's 
uh, visual representation of how the egg is used is one of my favorite. <laughs> so what episode are you submitting for Emmys and why? True, we're submitting the pilot, right? The pilot, yes. I love the, the, the episode of The Retreat. Yeah. Because there's so much going on there and you begin to see the template of what, what will be the trap doors in the organization, you know, of things kind of running a little wild. Yeah, we decided on the pilot. Uh, one of the reasons was because the pilot's bookended by the present day storyline, and then you're in the past, you know, sort of in between. We just felt like it was sort of the most succinct encapsulation of the show, right? And that, so, but, you know, we're proud of all of them. And, and it, it was it was a little bit of a sort of a default choice. Lee, you arguably wrote before the pandemic, the last great comedy, Good Boys. Thank you. What is your opinion on the state of comedy on the big screen right now? This is something I've constant, I'm, I'm continually explored in my box office columns. I've been very upset about that, you know, when comedies don't make over a hundred million uh, ultimately and things are getting lost to streaming. This was going on pre-pandemic, but yeah. what is it like right now? If you've got a feature comedy, is it like, okay, the only place for this is streaming? Or is there a chance you can hook a major studio on it? You know, I, I can only speak for myself. I mean, I have a few things in development, uh, some at streamers and some, some with the studios and for theatrical, the studios are bullish. I mean, they, you know, it only takes one. It's not a, uh, I don't think that, I don't think theater is dead. And I don't think that, um, I don't think we've seen the last of comedies in theaters. I think it has to feel really fresh. The, uh, the Daniels movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard it is a masterpiece from many people I trust. Uh, that's not a, that's not a straight comedy, but that movie was made for a budget. It's overperforming, and so clearly, with something that feels fresh and exciting and urgent, then I think people will go to the theaters. I I, I think that audiences are savvy. There are so many opportunities and so many options to stay home and and watch things on streaming that if you make something that feels derivative, you're not going to get an audience. And I think more so, more so than ever because of, because of all the options that exist in streaming. But I think when you create something fresh and original, I, I think that there's an audience for it. And for both of you, what is next? Right before we got on this podcast, we were talking about that exact thing. <laughs> tell me, tell us. <laughs> we've got some, we've got a couple of things in the, in the hopper. And uh, uh, Lee pitched me an idea for an original, speaking of comedy, I'm not going to say what it is, but he uh, pitched me an idea for a, a TV comedy that made me laugh out loud. It was, uh, it was, it was really funny. But uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're figuring that out uh, now that we've have, now that we have a second to breathe. Would it be with Apple, you think? Well, Lee's deal's exclusive. Um, okay. So it's Apple or bust. That's my, uh, <laughs> that's, my, that's my company's motto. Fantastic. Thank you both. Yeah, thanks for chatting. Take care. Nice meeting you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call Podcast on Deadline. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. 